welcome to another session with the Market Dominance Guys, a program exploring all the high-stakes speed bumps and off-ramps of driving to the top of your market, with our host, Chris Beal from Connect and Sell, and Corey Frank from Branch 49. Are you motivated to help the prospects you're cold calling? Jennifer Standish, founder of Prospecting Works, joins our market dominance guys, Corey Frank and Chris Beal, in this third of a four-part conversation to talk about different approaches to this process we call sales. Thinking of a sale as a win implies that sales is a contest between you and the prospect, and your prospect is the loser. Does this sound like the cause for a happy dance? Jennifer says it makes her crazy to hear salespeople say they're killing their numbers. Corey and Chris agree that this aggressive attitude could also kill the chance of developing a trusting relationship with a buyer, a relationship that would serve both parties now and in the future. Oh, these three savvy sales folks know what's what when it comes to making magic happen between a salesperson and a prospect. You're going to want to take notes while you're listening to this week's Market Dominance Guys episode, The Magical Type of Cold Call. Let's switch gears for a second and just talk about the exhaust, the results, the outcome of the cold call, the meeting, whether it shows or it doesn't show. What's your philosophy around that? Folks that connect and sell have a very interesting philosophy around no-shows, which a lot of folks have adopted, including us. But invariably, you're going to get folks that fires happen or maybe the interest didn't lock in or life gets in the way. What do you do about no-shows? What's the attitude about no-shows and how do you approach them? I've experienced very few no-shows. So I don't know that I have a philosophy on them just because my people show up. How come? When you listen to an average cold caller versus, I think Steve Richard from ExecVision always gave the stat that I think you may know the most recent one, maybe from Trish Bertuzzi, Chris, was it like 52% is the standard show rate for B2B calls? I think it is. So then what is that chasm that your team and you are doing that maybe gets them to lock in a little bit more than the average? Well, well, I'll tell them, I'll say, so I'm going to send you an invitation. And if I don't see that you've accepted it, I'm going to call you back to make sure that you've received it because I want to make sure that you get it. And they're like, oh, okay, that's fine. And then I'll send it. And then if they don't accept it, I will call them back and I'll be like, did I get the email wrong? What oh, is awesome. going on? And so they'll say, yeah, no, I don't see it. I don't see it. I'm, and I'm like, well, do I have, to, let me send it again. And then it, inevitably it gets to them. So and you will call them back. I will call, call them back. back. And then I will, and, it, and then if they still don't, then I call them the day before and I'll be like, I'm just calling because, and he's like, no, 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 I got it. I just didn't accept it. It's here on my calendar. So I will follow up on people and I will nudge them and then they show up, but that's just me. They can't get out of it with me. <laughs> believe you. I believe you. I feel, I feel right. Chris talks about the, the moral authority frame being broken when you don't show for a meeting and you use that, right? Ethically, of course, to secure the second meeting. A couple episodes with Carol with, I think it's called I Heart No Shows. It's a very, very yeah. one of our popular episodes. But certainly, if you can secure the meeting now the first time by doing a couple of nuances, like you're saying, calling them. Hey, 10 minutes ago, we just got off the phone. You didn't accept it yet. Make sure I got it correctly. Those are, that's a simple tip. I love that. Especially telling them you're going to do that. I mean, the big point over Cheryl's episode, the, the actual Uber point beyond I Heart No Shows, is subtle. It's really subtle. And it's, it's a different point, which is when somebody agrees to meet with you, 
you actually now have a relationship within which you can turn if there's going to be a meeting into when. And I call it the operational regime. You're no longer in the sales regime anymore at all. In the sales regime, you're only ever answering the question if, if it makes sense for us to take a next step. That's all we do in sales. We exchange information and we make a single decision. That's an if. If we should move forward together. Once we make that decision, we must immediately exit the sales regime and go into the operational regime, which is around the question, when? Obviously, if you didn't receive the invitation, then the when is not being handled. So I'm taking it on myself to help make the when happen. I'm not selling to you, I'm just helping. And I think that's the key to what Jen just said. It's like, you say, this doesn't always work because everybody knows stuff always doesn't always work, right? No matter what you try, you can't open a damn door and have that work every time. In fact, I had one bite me the other day when I tried to open it. So it doesn't always work. So I'm going to give you the, the heads up. Here's how I handle that. And it's also, there's a funny way that you said it, Jen, that I really like. It shows what I call persistent vulnerability. You're saying that it's not going to be perfect and you're going to persist in the face of that imperfection, that potential imperfection on behalf of the team that is you and them. You're gonna persist, you're gonna do the work. Yeah, and yeah. that's service. I mean, you're in service to them right at that point. That is key. I believe that from the minute that they pick up the phone, I'm demonstrating client service. I'm demonstrating client service. When I call them, if I were to say, I'm going to call you the day before to confirm, and if we need to reschedule, we can reschedule. I'm demonstrating client service. Absolutely. That's it. And I think salespeople in general, mine have this problem. I think all the ones that I've ever worked with have this problem that they don't get when they've left the world of if, and they're now just a service person. And by just, I mean, they're now exalted as a service person. So they've gone from being the second least trusted profession in the world, a salesperson. And they've crossed through the, this boundary, this membrane that separates the world of people you got to be careful of to the world of people that are trying to help you. So the second most trusted profession is nurses. Why? Because we're pretty sure nurses are trying. No, the first most trusted is nurses. The second most trusted is teachers. Well, we figure they're trying to help somebody also, right? So in sales, if we can go from being a salesperson to being a helper, and we can demonstrate our helpfulness while also increasing the odds that we'll be able to execute on what we decided to do, which is to have a meeting with each other, then I think there's magic in there and it's unappreciated magic. And the rough, tough, gotta win salesperson has a really, really hard time with that. If you see sales as a contest between yourself and the prospect, it's incredibly hard to turn off the if and become a win servant. That, that's endemic, it seems, of a lot of the hustle porn kind of culture must do today, crush your number, that you be so prevalent. It, it kind of anonymizes these, all these relationships down to whatever number's on the board, as opposed to, right, the empathy is just reeking from Jen's comments coming through my speakers, right? I mean, it's like, yeah, sign me up for an appointment, whatever it is you have. And the, the antithesis of that is this kill it at all costs. And that's the world of if versus the world of when. And they don't know when they've crossed that chasm. 
I'm an empath. This is probably another reason why I'm really good at this, <laughs> but sure, it's, sure. it makes me crazy when I see LinkedIn and I see all the men who are kill the numbers, crush, crush, be the top 1%, all this sort of stuff. And then I see people, the advertisements of somebody's on a jet, live this lifestyle, live this lifestyle. And I'm like, no, it's not about that. Why is it? Why does it have to be that? I hate it. I hate it. I find it disgusting. I don't want, I'm not motivated by money. I'm not motivated by commission. I'm motivated to help people. I want people to live better lives. Mm -hmm. Right. I wish that there were more women who were teaching cold calling, who were doing it. Like I'm warm and fuzzy. I'm warm and fuzzy. I do it a very feminine way. Why a lot of women are attracted to my process. A lot of introverts are attracted to my process. I wish more women were out there teaching it because I think that we would, the community would be better for it because that stuff is what is hurting. It's hurting us as a community of cold callers because it produces the thing that works against us. It's got to stop, but I don't know how, because these people sell programs. Chris, tell, help me. We'll be back in a moment after a quick break. Connect and sell. Welcome to the end of dialing as you know it. Connect and Sell's patented technology loads your best sales folks up with eight to 10 times more live qualified conversations every day. And when we say qualified, we're talking about really qualified, like knowing what kind of cheese they like on their impossible Whopper kind of qualified. Learn more at connectandsell.com. And we're back with Corey and Chris. Well, we have our, our, if you listen, Jen, to our first, I think, two or three episodes, we went in and talked about, we're not anti-VC, we're not anti-private equity, we're not anti-capital, but certainly that capital in some of the hands where they have this pressure, this need to hit a number, right? There's certain behaviors that certainly are justified or more rapid than others. There's always been an issue with sales since the beginning, and we haven't gotten over it yet. So we talked about this in one episode. Sales evolved at the crossroads. You didn't sell to people in your village. That's a ridiculous concept. You have to live with them. You collaborate with them. So the classic stuff in sales where I got you, I got the great deal. And now you're going to find out that that sack of rice that I sold you actually was bottomed with sand. That doesn't happen in the village because they exile you. And it's really, really bad to be exiled. It's worse than death, right? But when people started traveling near and far, like on the Silk Road, and they had to buy their supplies from somebody at a crossroads, well, then the salesperson is trying to get the best of this stranger who's going to go off and die in the desert anyway. So I think sales got locked in to a transactional model where it's, I win. We call them wins. Think about that, right? Wins against whom? It's, a, it's an odd concept when you think about it. And so now here we are in this modern world where there's not much of value to sell that you don't go with. You're part of the product. It's very rare now that you get to leave behind some whatever it is and say, best of luck, right? Do, do your best with it. I mean, it's like you can't use a piece of cloud software also as a doorstop if it doesn't work out. 
It just isn't like that. You pretty much have to make it work with everything in your business. And in B2B, everything has to work with everything. There's almost nothing that I would call a legitimate product in B2B. Even our product, as simple, stupid as it is, push a button. I mean, that's the training, right, Jen? Jen, push the button. How hard is that, right? And then wait. Well, you have no choice but to wait. I mean, that's kind of like life. It goes on if you just sit there. And then when it goes bloop, talk to somebody. Who are you going to talk to? The person that's on the screen. Okay, good. That's that's it, right? But it doesn't live in that isolation. It has to be integrated into workflows and how they hire people, how they onboard people. It has to be integrated into some scripting notion that can be reused so that if you can talk to this many people, you can hopefully get something done. It, has to, it turns out you need a school to learn how to talk to people. On and on and on it goes. There is no such thing as a product anymore that is left behind after a transaction. And that used to be the standard. And I think that's changed the practical qualities of a sales, that sales is a step along the way to an integrated relationship now. And in the innovation economy, it's all it is. It is all it is. And yet the old habit of, I got to win, a win against whom? We call it closed one. Who lost? Yeah, it's great stuff. It's great stuff. Well, that obviously contributes to the, certainly the mindset that am I learning call by call versus a binary outcome? Either I got the appointment or I didn't, right? Versus the exhaust and the residue of which element of the call did I do well and which ones maybe I fell a little flat and that coaching piece. So how do you, how do you deal with that, Jim? I'm going to answer that question next but this is the question i'm going to answer <laughs> is uh, I, as a cold caller when i cold call for clients and i haven't in a long time except for now what i tell my clients is, is that you're really hiring me to have intelligent conversations with your prospects because what i am doing is in addition to scheduling appointments i'm also having really smart conversations and i'm learning about your competitors I'm learning about your prospects as an industry as a whole. I'm also keeping your data up to date because your list then becomes a real asset to you. And it may not always be appointments that you get from me. I worked for an early stage company and learned a tremendous amount about their primary competitor and the features that they weren't offering their clients. And I was able to go back and go, guys, they do not like the fact that big, big, big company over here doesn't offer this. And they were able to integrate it into their services. And so it was like, you can inform product development, right? So it's not just appointments. Let's concentrate on something bigger. Yes, appointments lead to things, but you can inform product development, you can get industry intelligence, competitive intelligence. You may not be able to get an appointment now, but maybe in six months you do, maybe in a year you do. Maybe you know, I learned when people were going to be let go and a new person was gonna be come in before the person was gonna be let go new. So I knew to call back in a year because that person was going to let go and then somebody else was going to be hired and I could work with that person. So there's all of this information that, okay, immediately it didn't result in an appointment, but my goodness, it was incredibly helpful for the long road. And so that's what cold calling really means to me is intelligent conversations. Wow. So I just came up with the phrase, Corey, I want to throw it your way. A cold conversation is a short interaction as part of a long game. 
I play the long game. I play the long game. And I will tell you that the clients that I brought in through cold calling ended up being the easiest clients to work with. They were the most forgiving. They paid their bills on time. They never quibbled with my fee and they became friends long after I left the agency. And so did they. And I know this to be true, that there's something that happens when you cold call somebody and they agree to an appointment that there's a bond that happens because on LinkedIn, I posted this and other salespeople said the exact same thing, that there's something that happens with a client that you get through cold calling, that they become really, really, really great friends. And in my agency, a client that came in any other way, like through another person or they were miserable. They were awful, especially if they were brought in by somebody who was miserable themselves. So there was just something about who you resonate with, which leads me to then say, be careful who sets appointments for you because I may resonate with somebody. And if I hand them off to somebody vastly different than myself, there's going to be a disconnect. So be careful because I've set appointments for people where there was a big difference and there was a big disconnect and I was not the right caller for them because they weren't able to do anything with them and they would have been better off calling for themselves and they would have resonated with other people. Which is a very interesting point too. We've been working with a number of CEOs to help them do their own calling for the purpose of being both the offerer and the offer. That is, they are the bait in the bucket. They are that person. And they can learn how not to have the meeting on the spot and allow the psychology of the meeting to be more practical, shall we say, because it's an agreement to come together. And it does start with a true agreement between two people to do the riskiest thing that we do in life, which is to open ourselves up to another person. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, I think that's where that deep bond comes from. These CEOs that we've been working with recently, and Cheryl does most of this work, they are truly, I think, kind of transformed when they start to have their own calling sessions. And and it's quite interesting. I mean, we've had one of them on the show who, he was already a pretty good caller. He now converts at about 30% and uh, he makes magic happen out there. But he talks about how it's, it's changed him. Yes. It's changed him to be the person who's reaching out for himself. No chance of a disconnect. But I also think that is it's very correct that if you're the caller, you need to believe in the product. And the product is the person that you're setting the meeting for. That's the product. Yeah. And if you don't believe in them, mm-hmm. don't set a meeting with them. Yeah. Well, maybe, yeah. Chris, you should mention that to Bob Perkins is the next CEO roundtable session is you conduct a session live where the CEOs, they bring a list and they set up with connected cell and it's under the purpose certainly of teaching them a little bit of a mini flight school, but you had said yourself many times on this program, every CEO should be spending a significant amount of time or a fair amount of time every week, cold calling some of their customers to understand exactly what their frontline team members are doing. And anyway, for the next roundtable session, I could see that something like that. Yeah, that'd be pretty fun. Yeah. CEOs only flight school would be pretty wild. There you go. And yeah, that'd be something I can, I bet only half of them would push the button. There is something (laughs) that when you learn how to cold call and you face your fears, the stuff that's holding you back from cold calling are stuff that's holding you back in life. And what I have found is that when people learn how to cold call, their life trajectory completely changes. 
And I've witnessed it where people have come to me and said, I just came to you to learn how to cold call, but my life has completely changed. And many of my clients stay with me for transformational coaching. And they came for cold calling coaching, but it turned into transformational coaching. Selling a big idea to a skeptical customer, investor, or partner is one of the hardest jobs in business. So when it's time to really go big, you need to use an uncommon methodology to gain attention, frame your thoughts, and employ a successful sequencing that is fresh enough to convince others that your ideas will truly change their world. From crafting just the right cold call screenplays to curating and mapping the ideal call list for your entire TAM, Branch 49's Modern and Innovative Sales Toolbox offers a guiding hand to ambitious organizations in their quest to reach market dominance. Learn more at branch49.com. Never miss an episode. Go to any of your favorite podcast venues and search for Market Dominance Guys or go to marketdominanceguys.com and subscribe. (laughs) 